So we're going to have to keep this short so that people don't get too bored. (laughs) We'll have to time it precisely at about 47 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, that'd be about right for us. (laughs) Uh, No telling where it might go though. No. Did you have a good week? Yeah. Not too bad. Um, a lot of stuff was due this week, so didn't get a whole lot of sleep, but just kept, you know, plugging away at it and getting through it. So getting to the weekends nice, and I only have one final that I have to take in person. The rest of them are open note tests on like Blackboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I only really have to study for one final coming up in the next week or so. The others I'll just crack open the laptop, grab my books, and sit down and take them so can't complain what about you week was good um a little long some days uh the work week itself i mean not too bad when i think i was done by two o'clock today about two two thirty yesterday i can't complain about days like that um you know we it sounds goofy but you know you got 38 40 stops and and you you know pump the water out and and able to get done at two o'clock and that's including about a half hour lunch stops. That's, that's, that's moving some water right there. So, Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, speaking of tests, my wife had a final today and I don't know, you know, because all of her stuff is online. Um, and I guess the, through her nursing college, they have like a new, um, how do I put it? Like honor code type of thing. Like you've seen the movie school ties. I know you have. Yeah. Um, it's basically, you know, they have to uh, click an agreement or something like that indicating they won't cheat or anything. But they have to, when you're taking these tests, like they have to grant permission to the software to allow access to microphone and camera. And if you don't have a, like a webcam on your laptop, you've got to go buy one. And they're essentially recording you, making sure that you're not, you know, cheating or anything like that. So. I mean, they, they really don't want you to be open book at all. It's kind of crazy. Oh, crap. That's kind of terrifying. Yeah. You know, and then that's just something that started, you know, in some of her, the last few classes that she's had. So, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, she's like, all right, it's quiz time or test time. Um, I'm unavailable for two hours. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't want anything to even come close to, you know, looking like cheating. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you ready to get this, uh, proverbial ball rolling? Let's, let's go to work. Business is about to pick up. It is in three, two, one. Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Hart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Hart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, hosted by JitteryMonkey.com, part of the JitteryMonkey family of podcasts. I'm Greg Mahochko, and joining me uh, per use is uh, Mr. Hoss Reuter. On this game day, football has returned to Nebraska, Hoss. Were you turning that over to me? 
Yeah. No, I thought. Sorry about that. Kind of. I was paying attention to. Uh, I have Rambo First Blood up on the TV, so just kind of <laughs> lost my train of thought there. But yeah, uh, a little bit of an oasis in the desert with college football today. And it's funny you mentioned uh, First Blood because uh, come this fall, there will be blood in the Big Hopefully. Ten. Madison, Wisconsin, Iowa City, Iowa. Well, it's a good couple of places to start. Ann Arbor, Michigan, another one. Um, But uh, we'll see what happens in Columbus, Ohio. Anything is possible. Um, Have you been as excited for spring game in recent memory as you are for uh, today's eleven o'clock kickoff in the red and white scrimmage? I have not. The one year, the first year under Riley in fifteen. Anytime you have a regime change, obviously you're excited. But even more, you know, with the prospect of hiring a coach who went thirteen and zero at UCF, and it's bringing in a vastly different style of offense. You're just excited to see what it's going to look like on the field, even though you can't take away much from it. But then after after regime changes or after like you know when you have a big quarterback battle, spring games kind of fade back into the, you know, they're an event. You pay attention to spring ball. You'll go, you might go to the spring game or record it on the DVR to watch it later, but it's not a real pressing um, thing. But yeah, it feels, I haven't been excited for a spring game quite like this. We're going to get in, in and talk about it. We'll, we'll talk about the rosters, etc. But before we do, uh, we got a little bit of mail this week, Hoss, uh, and oh, and I want to holy crap! Right, uh, wanted to. You mean we have uh, listeners. We not only that, we have an internet at least one international listener. Uh, this one comes to us from Pat on uh, Facebook, and you can send a message uh, via Facebook, or you can of course comment or tweet at us, or slide into our DMs, which uh, uh, is you know something the kids are saying these days. Uh, but Pat. Well, he he says no comment. What's that? No comment on 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 the sliding into the DMs. Yeah, no comment. Okay, well, all right. Slide into Hoss's DMs, ladies. Um. <laughs> anyway, Pat says uh, via Facebook, "Hey guys, I enjoy your cast. You both have a good, honest interaction. Uh, thank you. However, there's one pet peeve that I have." I'm not sure if I'm correct or not, but every time I hear any other person, i.e. a sportscaster, a coach, etc., refer to Tristan uh, last name, they pronounce the G as in joke and not G as in go. You both pronounce it with the go. Are you right and everybody else that I hear wrong? Uh, Pat, I, and, and I responded back, uh, but since he's listening, uh, I, I can almost assure you that we are wrong, or at least I am wrong, because I think I've been – the last uh, standard bearer for the G is in go. Uh, so should we just go ahead? I and, am wrong as well. Well, you, you, you've just been agreeing with me to keep me happy because I control your microphone volume over here. So <laughs> you're, you're the skipper. You're the skipper. So with, with it being spring game Saturday, let's just go ahead and say right now, Tristan Jebbia and and that'll be a, that'll be yep. the end of it. So no, I I, I did respond back. Uh, I said I'm almost certain we're probably wrong, uh, and we'll correct it. I said thanks again for writing in and go big red. 
Uh, he says, thanks for the quick reply. Looking forward to your next podcast. Then he says, by the way, thought I'd let you know that I'm retired and live in Thailand for the last nine years. So from a dyed-in-the-scarlet fanatic starving for Husker news, especially from the spring game until the start of fall practice, keep the cast coming, you've got at least one international listener. So, uh the, just the fact that, I mean, he's an international listener, yes, but the fact that uh, he responded or, or, or emailed at all, Pat is, he's, he's our listener of the week. And, uh, and Take a bow, Pat. We appreciate you, Pat. And, and uh, yeah, that's all. That's all that I had about Pat this time. Uh, so congrats, Pat. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for correcting us and calling us out on our nonsense. Okay. We we just got better thanks to Pat. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, you probably already knew this. Tristan Jebia. Jebia. Uh so let's get into it, shall we? The spring game, as we mentioned, by the way, uh before the spring game, the uh national championship Husker volleyball team will be signing autographs uh along the track, uh Ed Weir track from nine thirty to ten thirty before kickoff. So if you get down there early and uh wanna shake the hand or, or get an autograph from a champion. You can check out uh, the ladies from the national champion Husker volleyball team. So um, there's that note as well. Let us see. Let's take a look at the roster, shall we, Hoss? All right. By the way, did you know that this is the – I got to do math in my head, so bear with me. This will be the 58th meeting – between the red and white scarlet and cream teams? I did not. It is. The red team leads the series 41, uh, the overall record of 41, 15, and 1. Um, and Scott Frost is 3-0. and Ah, so he, he's a spring game champion. He is. And I bet you he's going to be a winner. In this one as well, so we can just tally that one up to four. No, well, it might be a tall task, but I think Nebraska's going to get the job done tomorrow. It, by it, Crook. I, I I tend to agree. Um, by the way, I'm pulling all of this information from coordination.com, the best place to get your Husker information. Um, the, the Walmart sports information. That's right. Uh, part of the SB Nation uh, group of of sites, over 300 uh, teams and and sports have their own uh, SB Nation, so SBNation.com, obviously. Uh, the red team quarterbacks will be a, a name that we just mentioned in Tristan Jebia and Adrian Martinez. The white team uh, will have uh, Vedral and Bunch, uh, Noah Vedral and Andrew Bunch. So just based on that, do you have – Do you? we might just do this uh, going all the way down on down the list. Okay. Red or white, who who do you give the nod to in the quarterback department? Can you repeat the the red is Tristan Jebia and, and Martinez and Martinez and white is Bunch and Vedral. Oh man! Well, I mean, I want to say red because of Jebia and kind of the implication that he's the leader at the in the quarterback race. But on the other hand, you got Vedral, who knows the system inside and out, and is That's a good athlete. And you have Andrew Bunch, who 
operated a similar attack in high school in Tennessee and then in junior college at Scottsdale Community College. And I'm a little more inclined to lean with the white team. The, and I think the initial, I, I'm, I, I'm in really in agreement with you, and, and not to say that, you know, we always agree, but, you know, we, I, I would, initially when you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, probably, you know, Jebbia being the, the longest, you know, the veteran Husker, you know, the veteran in that, you know, quarterback uh, room, and Adrian Martinez being one of the hotter uh, acquisitions, I guess, uh, you know, recruits coming in. But like you said, you've got Bunch who's got some, you know, more college experience, uh, at, at least playing, uh, than Jebby and Martinez and the Noah Vedral who knows the system. So like you, I'd, I tend to uh, lean a little bit towards the white team on that one. So let us look then. All right, the red team. We're just oh, are, Let's see if I can do this easier. Okay, I did. I found a better way. So here are the running backs for the uh, red team. They have Mikhail Wilbon, Greg Bell, Ben Miles, Bo Kittrell, and Wyatt Mazur. Mazur? Mazur. Mazur. And then that's the red team. And then the white team will have the other ones, obviously, but let's get you some names. And they'll have uh, Divino Zigbo. Austin Rose, Jalen Bradley, and Austin Hemphill. Who do you like? I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go with the white team with Greg Bell. Red team. Red team. Gosh, I got. I need to start actually paying attention to the colors when you say. Red team with Greg Bell. So uh, you're saying that a. Okay, so the uh, the backfield, at least if it's a, a single back set of potentially you could be potentially looking at adrian martinez greg bell backfield uh that's a that's a pretty nice one-two combo um but at the same time i like i I, i'm not opposed to a noah vedral uh jalen bradley or divino zigbo backfield as well no certainly not especially with how the flashes jalen bradley showed last year and then finding out either earlier this week or last week in an article that UCF had recruited Bradley as he was coming out of Bellevue West. And I think that there's a lot of promise for him in this offense. So I'll be excited to see him play tomorrow. The, okay. So staying on the white team again. So you have the, the running backs we just mentioned, as well as that's the Vedral and the bunch quarterback tandem your wide receivers are Kean williams cade warner christian banker andrew thurman brandon robbins justin holm brian reimers connor young keep the, that list in mind i already know probably where you're going with this one uh, as far as uh slanting one way to the other for wide receivers because on the red team you have the wide receivers. You've got JV McQuitty, Ty John Lindsay, Stanley Morgan Jr., Justin McGriff, Mike Williams, uh, Chad Elioth Jr., Todd Honus, and Ty Chaffin. Got to give that one to the red. If nothing else, you've got Stanley Morgan Jr., and he's going to be your go-to. Yeah, there's no other way but siding with uh, Stan the man on this one. I do like uh, you know seeing uh, JV McQuitty, and we mentioned him. Uh, 
uh, last week seeing Javon. I guess it's Javon, not Javion. I I thought it was Javon. Okay, all right. So I've been pronouncing it incorrectly all this time. I, I do like seeing him, you know, back in action uh, and interested to see what kind of uh, impact he can make. So uh, looking forward to that. Tight ends. We'll stay on the red team. Let me know if you're getting bored by this, if this is a little too one-dimensional. Uh, <laughs> tight ends for the red team, Austin Allen, Matt Snyder, Jack Stoll. And on the white team, you have uh, Brandon Hohenstein, Kurt Raftel, and David Engelhopt. I'm going to go with the red team, Austin Allen, Matt Snyder, and Jack Stoll. See, I think, I, I think that one could be, as far as offensive grouping, could be uh, the more even balanced uh you know grouping of of talent on both sides because i think that there's some some tight end talent on the white team and uh, you know we excited to see what raftel and Inglehopped can do um especially in the system so that's just me do you yeah oh go ahead no 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 we were you were going to touch on the tight ends there a little bit well, I was just going to say that guys like Raftall and Inglehop, those are guys that it'd, it'd be nice to see how they're developing so far through the program. And also, there's been a lot of word out practice about a guy like Hohenstein uh, kind of emerging. So they'll definitely be a position group to keep an eye on tomorrow. Speaking of, let's go to the you, – you, well, it's your favorite position group on the field, and it's the only group we have left uh, to talk about on the – offensive side uh of the football it's your old lineman have you looked at the have you looked at these uh rosters yet to to know which old lineman falls where i have not so uh i'm i'm thinking on my feet here all right here we go for the red team uh which i don't know i i don't know if this you know is your default or, or closer to being your your starting group but you have tanner farmer uh, Hunter Miller and Gerald Foster, Matt Farniak, Brock Bando, uh, Trent Hickson, and uh, Brendan uh, Jameis, Hymas? Hymas. Hymas. I, I knew I was going to get that wrong. Uh, so that's on the red squad. And on the white squad, uh, you have John Raritan, Bo Wilson, uh, Brian Brockup, Christian Gaylord, Will Farniak, Matt uh, Sichterman, and Jalen Barnett. Now, I had heard... That Cole Conrad was back. Was that a, was that a mistake? Did I hear erroneously, or is he just not back to quite where he needs to be for the spring game yet? He's back, but I think it's likely that he's not back to what he needs to be for the spring game. Quite gotcha. Yet. So, I mean, you you probably almost got to go with that red squad, right? That has uh, Farmer and and uh, you know Matt Farniak and Gerald Foster, more experienced group of offensive linemen yeah i think it, you'd be hard pressed to go with the white team when the red team has your starting left tackle your starting <laughs> left guard your starting right guard your starting right tackle on it so yeah definitely go with the red team um bo wilson obviously i still think he'll factor into being a starter or if not a starter a significant contributor in season but um you know they're, they didn't move him to center so there's no room for him on the red squad. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Bo Wilson plays at the on the white squad. And 
uh, just really excited to see the offensive line tomorrow. And worth the price mission alone, right there. And and I can't wait to talk to you about because you said that you were taking it easy tonight and not not getting too crazy because you know it's a eleven o'clock kickoff and and you've got uh, some you know you you've got plans as far as the game goes and, and some some game day things so even on a friday night in season walk me through your 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 football eve night i mean are you you usually pretty responsible as, as far as friday nights go we're, we're taking a little break before we jump to the defensive side because i'm afraid we're boring people uh so i just want <laughs> i want to know more about you know your your friday night pregame routine yeah, Friday nights in season, and it sounds like I'm doing the whole thing. You know how the team will go to a hotel, right? Right. Take it easy, do a walkthrough, all that. You know, you find that hotel and you trouble. stalk them. That's what you do. What was that? I said you find that hotel and you stalk them. Uh, that that that's something best reserved for someone like uh, Ryan Tweedy. <laughs> Sorry, Tweedy. I think he's still trying to get a get a, a walk on workout. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's talking to me about that a while back. But um yeah, in season usually with class and work and then also balancing doing the articles each week for coronation by the time Fridays roll around in the fall, I'm too exhausted to do anything else. So I'll usually get home, eat some dinner, either catch up on, you know, even some more homework or watch some college football that's on on Friday nights, watch Netflix, usually in bed at a pretty decent time, especially if it's an 11 a.m. kick the next morning. But uh, usually I won't do anything too crazy. I won't get too deep into my cups on a Friday night with a game the next day because I've done that before and it's not fun when you're feeling <laughs> when you're feeling rough and then when the game's not really going your way. Um, it's not exactly a feeling that that you want to have. Yeah, and, you know, again, because I'm here and not there, if I was there and experiencing things, you know, live, I'd probably do something different. But my Friday nights, you know, before a football game, before a Husker game, or about like every other Friday night, it's sit on the couch, watch TV, crack open a cold one or two, maybe, uh, you know, chase my son around, make sure he's not doing anything to harm himself because he's at that age where he's like, oh, I'm unsupervised. Let's walk up the stairs. No. <laughs> oh, look. Find a light socket, you know. You know, I, I'll, say, I'll say this. Uh, my wife's amazing. If, if I don't give her enough credit on the show, it's probably because she doesn't listen to the show. And, you know, it's just, you know, it, compliments only work when she hears them. Um, but uh, she, as far as safety and whatnot, she's top notch. She had all those little uh, outlet plugs and everything uh ready to go before he was crawling so we're good on we're good on the outlets he hasn't zapped himself or anybody else yet so she's johnny on the spot uh yeah uh jane jane on the spot sir yeah let's (laughs) let's thing on the keep this thing on the up and up here yeah um so let's jump to the other side of the uh of the football then the line of scrimmage talk about the defense and we'll jump from one line to the other the defensive line for the red team uh features such names as damian jackson matt jarzinka freedom atkin Muladoon, ben stilly carlos davis peyton newell and for the 
uh, white squad. You've got uh, Deshaun Neal, Chris Walker, Finn Anderson, Damian Daniels, Khalil Davis, and DeAndre Thomas. That, sir, sounds like a pretty even matchup. I'm going to go with the white squad based off of Damian Daniels and DeAndre Thomas. I was thinking as that. Well, as Deshaun Neal, who's really emerged through spring practice. And it's because, I mean, the. Who is your looking at you know the defensive lineman? Has is there yet a a standout nose? Well, I think Mick is going to be very much improved playing in a one gap uh, gap attack scheme rather than a two gap gap control. And there were there were some moments last year that even though it wasn't flashy, he did his job, stood his ground occupied two gaps I think he can turn into that standout nose guard but the guy that I'm really excited for is Damian Daniels as he continues to develop and really reshape his body and strength and conditioning because he's naturally talented at that position and guys built like him at that position don't grow on trees so that I think two three four years from now we're going to be talking about Damian Daniels in pretty high regard should we be concerned? Is there something that I have missed out on as far as you know news updates, injury updates, things like that? I didn't read Mick's name. Is he is he not playing in the spring game? Uh, they're holding him out because of some. Uh, I think he had. I think he might have even had like a knee scope, just cleaned up some cartilage. Gotcha. Yeah. So, just a precaution. You know, he's a pretty proven commodity at this point. So. No need to rush him back. No, yeah, that makes complete sense. It's just not not something that uh, for for people who have not been paying attention. I, I I don't have a desk job anymore, and you know when I had a desk job, I could you know obviously talk with the coordination guys and, and gal uh, all the time and, and read the side. I, I I drive a truck, and and believe it or not, especially you know. Uh, Federal uh, Department of Transportation regulations. Well, they don't really want you on a cell phone uh, browsing coordination dot com while you're driving uh, the truck. So I don't get a chance to stay up as up to date and informed as I like. That's why sometimes you're, you're, I, you're, you're not in the slack room as you're driving down I seventy. No, um, you know it's it's frowned upon. Uh, plus, I, how do I put it? I'm comfortable behind the wheel, but at the same time, a lot of times I'm in rush hour traffic, so I really don't want to be, you know, pulling eyes off the road and everything else. So we're just going to try to try to try to keep safe. Um, in, let's go to the uh, interior uh, inside linebackers. We'll start on the white team. Uh, one of the bigger names that that you know, as far as acquisitions that uh, we're excited to. Uh, see joining the squad, Will Honus for the white team, Spencer Jordan, Grant Jordan, Andrew Ward, and Jacob. Uh, oh, I'm probably going to get this one wrong. Uh, I, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say Wine Master. Might be Ween Master. I don't know. Um, correct. Which one, Wine? Wine Master. I feel better now. Uh, so those are the inside linebackers for the white squad. For the red squad, you have... Uh, the other guys, Dedrick Young, the uh, second, uh, Muhammad Barry, Avery Roberts, Willie Hampton. Do they put Will Honus with that white squad to, to really help, you know, balance it out and, and see what he can do against the, you know, kind of 
more potential number ones or or what's what's the line of thinking there you think i think it's more from going against the potential number ones and just kind of balancing it out i have to give the nod to the red team those at the inside linebackers position because there's a lot of good athletes just raw athletes at that on their squad so i i'm really interested to see will honus though playing tomorrow on the outside linebacker spot for the red team, Alex Davis, Colin Miller, Pernell Jefferson, and Tyron Ferguson. And then you have on the white squad, uh, Guy Thomas, Breon Dixon, Jordan Pop. Um, pop, pop, pop. Um, I, again, I got to go with the red squad uh, for the linebacking core overall. Um, I do think that, you know, someone like Guy Thomas could, could, uh, uh, have a fun little time to uh, you know in this in the spring game and and to Breon Dixon as well. Yeah, I I got to go with. I don't know if it's just my own curiosity of seeing how he's going to play, but I want to give the nod to Breon Dixon. He's on the red squad, correct? Uh, white squad. White squad. Just from the standpoint of having ninety, I think it's. I'm wrong with my math here because if anyone knows me, I'm you put numbers in front of me. Not my thing. Um, he either had 74 tackles at Ole Miss last year, or he had 95 tackles. Those two figures are standing out to me. But regardless, as a true freshman in the SEC, having that many tackles, it, you know, as a freshman, nothing to scoff at. No. So just based off his talent alone, I'm I'm gonna be really self-serving here and give the nod to the white squad. Could you see a potential of, of a Breon Dixon lining up uh, in, in that linebacker alley next to a Will Honus? I mean, that's... Oh, definitely. Definitely. That, Especially with how his experience playing in the secondary at Ole Miss, because they line him up all over the field. Safety, corner, nickelback, um, just all over the place. He He'll pr- likely in like some hybrid packages, he'll likely line up as a Sam linebacker type defender set to the field and seeing him covering, you know, backs out of the backfield, maybe some tight ends with that athleticism paired next to Will Honus being really able to knife through gaps and collapse down the run. That's going to be fun to see. Moving outside to the cornerback position, staying on the white team, uh, we have Tony Butler and Eric Lee Jr. And on the red team, we have uh, Ethan Cox, Lamar Jackson, and uh, one of our favorite podcasters' favorite name on the Huskers, DiCaprio Boodle. From, from that one, I mean, I almost got to give it to, to the red squad. I, I think Boodle you know, grew quite a bit last year. Um, and hopefully the new coaching staff has gotten Lamar Jackson's head right. Um, but I'm excited to see what that duo could do. Yeah. Uh, again, great athletes, Lamar Jackson, DiCaprio, Boodle. So, uh, God, it's, it's hard to really project just because right. of the uncertainty at the secondary position. Just, I mean, let's face it, that secondary last year is just flat out bad. I mean, it was there were some games where it was bowling shoe ugly. All right, but, good uh, old JR. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got to throw in as many references to old JR by God. 
Um, so, yeah, I'll go with, uh, was that the red team with Lamar Jackson and DiCaprio Boodle? That was the red team, yeah. Yeah, I'll go with the red team. And I think, you know, we're not all that removed. You know, less than 10 years ago, we had some corners, uh, you know, some, some secondary players getting picked up in early draft rounds. You look at Prince of Mukamara, you look at Alfonso Dennard, uh, you know, those guys are, well, I know at least, I think at least one of them still playing in, in the, uh, in the league, but I, something happened in, in, you know, last year. And I tell you what, I, this is a staff that I really wish someone like, uh, Joshua Kalu still had a year left to go. Uh, because that, that's a, that's a guy I really enjoyed watching, uh, really, uh, cheered for because i know you know that at times they moved him you know from uh corner to safety i think back to corner due to you know lack of options it seems at some time but he, he was a good leader for that secondary unit um so i would have liked to have seen with his skill set what he could have done with maybe some better position coaching uh to try to you know improve his chances of playing at the next level um, unfortunately, he, we, he just, you know, un- unlike me, he has no college eligibility left. Um, I've still got, pl- hey, coaches, I've got plenty of, pl- plenty of uh, eligibility left. Give me a call. Don't call me. I'm not going to be of any help to you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, who, of the last, you know, a couple of years of, of defensive backs, who would you have liked to have seen, maybe aside from Joshua Kalu, uh with this coaching staff to to try to you know better their better their ability and and, and overall make the the unit better boy I'm trying to think back to the defensive backs that we've had since say 2013 you know probably like a Stanley Jean Baptiste mm-hmm. you know a real tall athletic long boundary corner and it would have been really interesting to see because I'm not discrediting the job that Bo did with him because I'll say a lot about Bo Pelini because I didn't like the guy as a coach but the man could coach secondaries he could coach pass defense but it would have been really interesting to see what this staff what they did with the UCF DBs with that mold to work with, you know, a corner who stands almost six foot three, has long arms, and is a pretty good run defender. So I'd probably go with Baptiste. Very, very interesting. Uh, let's finish out uh, the good times here uh, with the safety position. On the white team, you have Avery Anderson, Markel Dismuke, Eli Sullivan, Reed uh, Carell, or Carroll, probably Carell, and Lane McCallum. And then, and that's again on the white squad. The red squad, you have only three safeties, and that's Aaron Williams, Antonio Reed, and uh, Deontay Williams. First of all, I mean, I guess it probably shouldn't worry that one squad has three and the other squad has five. Um, I'm sure the coaches have a plan as far as how they intend to utilize uh, the the players, and maybe it's all situational in, in packaging and maybe that's why we're only seeing three safeties on the red squad. And because, because I'm struggling to keep with up with the names that you rattled off, not your fault. <laughs> my own. Um, who's on the red squad? 
uh, Aaron Williams, Antonio Reed, and Deontay Williams. And there you have it, the Red Squad. Athletes. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sensing a pattern. <laughs> you know, you've got yeah. a, you've got a few. Uh, you, you know, you've got a few. How, how do I put it? Uh, um, there, there's a word that is in my brain that I can't quite get to my mouth because I can't think of the word. But you got a okay, you got a pro, uh, few proven. Um, uh, a, a co- commodities, commodities. Yeah, I kept wanting to pay, put an A in there, but no, you got a, you got a few proven commodities uh, there on on the red squad that you know you know are going to be first team guys. Uh, you know, you've got the Tyjon Lindsays, the Stanley Morgan Juniors. Um, you know, the interesting aspect of that is that you got Greg Bell there, and you've got Mikhail Wilbon, and and uh, what I think is probably going to be the, the true quarterback uh, competition between Martinez and Jebbia. Uh, remember, that's Jebbia, like a J, not like a G. Um, you got the bulk of your starting offensive line, or at least you know who we project is going to be on the starting offensive line in the fall. Uh, you've got the the vet, more veteran uh, inside linebackers and and uh, you know defensive linemen, things like that. So getting a bit of an idea of maybe where this depth chart sits beyond you know this Saturday game yeah uh, and it's got most of the guys that we're going to see as starters are on the red squad but there's also a nice mix of players like a Will Honus being on the white squad where you want to put him up against better competition you know, within the intra-squad scrimmage to see where he stands. Because, I mean, he's still coming from playing junior college football and playing, you know, playing in the bigs, the big leagues, major college football in the Big Ten West. So it's it's an interesting trend, and it's one that I didn't really consider before we started talking about it. But now it makes sense why they're kind of interspersed. At the bottom, again, uh, this is straight from coordination.com, uh, was – a uh, post that was done on the 19th, so on Thursday. Uh, and at the end of the article, at the end of the rosters, uh, the poll, uh, which was put up uh, by uh, Salt, and he, he did the did the post, but the poll was which team wins Scott Frost's debut spring game. I'm going to read you uh, the options, Haas. I'm going to make my selection. Uh, you tell me your selection, then I'll tell you what our coronation readers uh, believe to be uh, the case. So you have red by a lot, red in a squeaker, tie game to show the unity of purpose. Is it going to be white by a hair or white in a shocker? I'm going to go red by a hair. See, uh, I think uh, I think there's just the training wheels are still on. We're not going to see a lot of. Um, anything exotic, whether it's offensive schemes or defensive schemes, is going to be pretty basic. And we're really going to be looking at just guys getting some – I mean, they've scrimmaged through the spring to begin with, but guys getting as close as you can get to some live game reps in a controlled setting. And I think there's just going to be enough stuff to still clean up that it's going to be read by a little bit. So 
You said red in a squeaker, and 93 people agreed with you. That's 30% of the vote. Uh, 6%, only only 6%, 20 people believe that uh, white's going to win in a shocker. Uh, 24 uh, people, or 8%, think that white's going to win by a hair. 9% of people, 29 votes, said a tie game to show the unity of purpose. And it doesn't really come as any surprise to me, uh, but red by a lot. 46% of voters uh, and 143 people uh, picked that one. I actually went with uh, white by a hair. I don't know. There's something something about that white squad. I think that I think that they might uh, uh, get the old upset machine started early, which I don't think a lot of people will be happy if that happens. <laughs> but uh, uh, me and 24 others will feel uh, vindicated, justified, if yeah. you will. <laughs> Gosh, you're, you know, they're having a big red overreaction show on 1620. Not surprised. And it's one of those things where I was, when I heard that, I was like, well, I'm not going to listen to that. It's, you know, spring game. But I was also thinking, I was just like, I almost feel like I need to just so I can find out what kind of people call in after a spring game to overreact. Like, if I was hosting that show, every call that I'd answer would be like, Bob and Brainerd, you're on the air. What are you pissed <laughs> off about today? Yeah, I. I mean, well, there there's no fullbacks out there on the field, Greg. That's right. There are no full. There, Ben Miles is listed as a running back, not a fullback. It's important to note. Um, this is not good. I don't know. We we talked about it a little bit uh, about it in our Scott Frost offense episode. This is not going to be. You know the the option that people are, you know, familiar with. It's going to be up tempo, but Ben Miles is going to see the field. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think it's going to be in the way that a lot of people expect. So, um, at least I say that. I I don't know shit. Um, a couple of days ago, I put the question out on Facebook and, and Twitter, uh, asking, you know, what the listeners what the people are hoping to see on saturday and jim on facebook said besides good weather uh, i hope to see the coaching staff all together also want to see a new energized husker team i'm the the players who are here and i know it's it sounds weird to say that since we just last week talked about you know the the departure of a of a patrick o'brien and and you know they they've lost some other you know there's been that that a word attrition, but the players who are here, especially the players who were, you know, not here, or, or I, let me rephrase it, the players who were on this team last year, the year before, etc. They should be as energized and excited and uh, fired up as they've ever been at at this moment in their college careers they have arguably the the you know even the the fifth year seniors are arguably you know now under the tutelage of the best head coach you know that they've had in their college careers yeah there's been you know I feel bad for the defensive guys because they're on their fourth defensive coordinator you know for for some of the like I said some of those uh fifth year guys but they they are they they get to, I, you know I, I'm I'm gonna say this and it you know 
if it were if this was an NCAA football podcast, a lot of people would be, you know, calling in. But this is a Husker podcast. And so I can say they get to learn from the best. Scott Frost is coach of the year. Um, he has, you know, been a player and a coach under some of the finest football minds of all time. And he's get we've we've talked about before. He gets to bring all of that cumulative knowledge to Lincoln to help these players win at the college level. And you know what? He's he's produced a a uh, a national championship. You know, an, an undefeated football team, a a, uh, a BCS. No, I guess it wasn't a BCS. It was a but a, a playoff yes. runner-up. Um, you know, in in Oregon, uh, Marcus Mariota had a Heisman, correct? I, I mean, you know, it's you know he's he has the resume that if you're a, a player and you can't get excited to play for Scott Frost, then I'm starting to think that maybe college football is not for you. Um, I don't know what would be shuffleboard. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how. You know, as a player, I mean, I understand where Jim's coming from, and I, I Jim and I go way back. He, uh, uh, back in the day, uh, shout out to Jim. Uh, he's uh, a, a good buddy of mine, and uh, I believe I was at his wedding. I don't know. It's been a long time. Um, but when I was the voice of the Shattering Cardinals on the radio out there, he was the team trainer, uh, and, and, you know, for all the teams, all the athletics out there. Uh, so, uh Damn good guy, good football mind. Um, and sidebar, uh, he may not want me telling this, but Hoss, you'll appreciate this. Um, but uh, his family's uh, got a ranch in South Dakota, and they have done some partnerships with uh, Brock Lesnar's family. So he, he knew Brock Lesnar before Brock Lesnar was the beast incarnate. You thought you'd appreciate that. Um but a uh, good guy, and, and I definitely see his point. Wanting to see a new, energized Husker team. Um, you know, this isn't going to be you know like the uh, spring game where the coach carries a cat out onto the field. Uh, oh God! <laughs> this is not going to be a spring game uh, for as many. Players propose to their girlfriends at the fifty-yard line, where linemen catch punts. And and where, and, yeah. and I'll say it, and and I say it. I loved this moment, so don't get me wrong. Um, this, when I watch this moment, it still gives me chills, and such a memorable piece of you know positive piece of Bo Pelini's uh, tenure here. But this is not going to be a spring game where a child's going to run a forty or fifty yard touchdown. At least I don't think it is. I don't think you know. I, I think first spring game they've probably got some you know bigger, more football related things. Uh, planned, like I said, I, that's not me crapping on that idea. I love that idea. I still love that idea. Um, it's just not you're not. Don't anticipate seeing that. What you what you should go and expect to see at Memorial Stadium is uh, some upbeat, excited football. Maybe some of it's going to look a, a little bit familiar. Uh, especially the people who, you know, when Scott Frost to Nebraska became more of a foregone conclusion, 
when we started paying attention uh, in the uh, American Conference, uh, the uh, the, uh, championship against Memphis, in the bowl game against Auburn, when we started paying attention, and Haas, I know uh, you went back and watched, you know, more of UCF's, uh, you know, film and games from last year. Be looking to see what Scott Frost is doing, you know, that that blends the success he had at UCF with the personnel that he had or that that he has here in Lincoln now. Um, but. I would I would say don't expect a whole lot of sideshow stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's it's going to be business tomorrow. Yes, not going to be like the. Uh, it's not going to be like the. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the word, but it's not going to be a state fair atmosphere. Carnival. You know? Yeah, carnival. Yeah, it's it's football, and yeah, it's just a spring game, but it's still one of the fifteen practices that you get in the spring so in the first year of a regime change and a new offensive and defensive install you got to approach it as business as usual did you read uh the article this past week on si.com about scott frost uh the bruce feldman article the bruce feldman article yes i did what did, what was your takeaway from that because there i don't want to say that you know we all know, and I think what we all like about Scott Frost is that he's pretty much a straight shooter. Um, I think some of that, depending on who you ask or you know what side of the yard you're on or whose yard you're in, some of that stuff may may come across as a little incendiary. I don't think. I mean, honesty is one thing. I don't. I don't think he went out with the intention of burying anybody. What What was your takeaway from that article? I think it was just uh, his straightforward approach. Just no no sugarcoating anything. He was just upfront and honest about what he really thought of the state of the program going back since, you know, depending on how you view Solich, you can either say 1998 or you can say, you know, 2004. But I, I don't have any problems with it just because it kind of speaks to the players take on a team takes on the personality of its coach and even though frost is pretty understated in a lot of what he says and he's very straightforward there's a certain brashness to him and i think that at a place like nebraska you have to have maybe maybe i wouldn't call it brashness like i just did but just that confidence in what you're doing and pointing out the past shortcomings and going from there so I have no problem with what he said because it's the same things that we all talk about, whether it's on this podcast, Husker fans talking amongst themselves, you know, circles of friends, um, at bars, on Twitter. It's just common common knowledge. It's where did we fall short in the past 20 years of Husker football? So, and just you got to – got to rehash it, you know, especially when you're coming in the first year and people are asking questions. But when it all gets down to it, it's just you're, you're building or rebuilding upon what the uh, previous staff or staffs did. Let me ask you this, because you, you made a good point. You know, we talk about it, you know, circles of friends talk about it, you know, whether it's in text or at the bar, people talk about it on, on social media. Again, I don't have a problem with 
you know what what Scott Frost said, but do you think that there is a how do I want to say? Do you think that coaches need to be a little bit more? And and he's got no ties to you know Sean Eichhorst or Steve Peterson or anything like that. No nobody there hired him. Uh, but do you think that as a coach? And and I'm not saying necessarily Scott Frost or Nebraska, just any coach. Do you think that that they sh- should publicly say, "Look look at what these guys did. They didn't understand how we got to where we got in the first place, and that's why everything fell." I mean, do you think it's do you think it's something that a coach needs to say? Is is the short question I'm trying to ask? No, no, I don't. Let the dead be dead. Just no, no need to kick dirt on the graves of past regimes. Just uh, you know what went wrong. The fans know what went, what went wrong, and I don't want this to sound like I'm contradicting what I said earlier. Because I like the fact that we have someone who's not going to get up there and just shower the media and fans with a bunch of coach speak and right. you know stuff that you really have to decipher what they're actually saying. But at the end of the day, we all know where it falls short. Where, where it fell short in the past twenty years, Solich was a subpar recruiter, and he was not a good play caller. Bill Callahan, that transition was too uh, towards the West Coast offense was too vast. It required too much time to bring in players. Required too much time to teach. Bo Pelini, he got results from Callahan's players, but at the end of the day, for as good as he was as a tactician in terms of drawing up defenses, he didn't recruit very well. And if you don't have players, you're not going to win many games. So we all know where it failed. It was an institutional failure across the board that transcended staffs. Mm-hmm. But you just got to – you do have to acknowledge it, but I don't think that you should necessarily dwell. feel compelled to you know, dwell on it. No, I, I'm, and and that's, yeah, that's exactly the point. You know that I was trying to get to is, you know, it, it, I'm excited. I, I'm very excited for, and, and have been since, you know, just after Thanksgiving for Scott Frost, and ever since I'm not. Okay, so I, I have to explain this. I'm 35. I've got a little ADHD, in that. I, I can't. I, I find it difficult to sit still and and watch something on my phone for forty five minutes. Um, that introductory press conference, I sat and watched on my phone for forty five minutes. You know? I remember sitting watching it myself, and when he said we're going to make the Big Ten modified system to us, I about stood up and clapped. I popped. You know, I yeah. uh, I was I was excited, and and, and there's. Again, that's, you know, I don't, that's a little bit of that brashness. Uh, what I like about Frost is he he brings a swagger, but he doesn't, I don't think he rubs it in anybody's face. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. He, he, what I'm looking forward to the most transcends what we're going to see in the spring game, and that's what we're going to see in the fall, and that's making the statement on the field. I think that's what Osborne did. Uh, and and really, I think did it better than you know you know anybody. Um, but that's that's what I'm looking forward, you know, l- looking forward to 
from a Scott Frost team is, you know, there's a lot of things that we could say at the podium, but we're going to say it between the between the lines, and that's where we're going to be heard the most. And that, that everything else is just you know gravy. It, and it's I'm excited for a Scott Frost led Husker team. Um, and for all the reasons we've stated and and more that you know I'll I'll learn how to articulate between now and August. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's just there. There's something about it. I don't know. Well, like I said, I'll, I'll figure out a way to articulate it. I'll write some things down and you know jot down some thoughts and put it put a, a stream of consciousness together eventually um but right now it's just the it's the notion of you know what the, the there's going to be a time to talk um it's almost like that scene in footloose when kevin bacon's trying to you know get the city council on his time there's there's a time to talk and there's a time to dance well it's going to be dancing time in the end zone uh with with this husker offense and and uh the time to talk and a time to to play and and make that statement on the field, and that's I can't believe I just made a damn footloose reference. What the hell? Well, that's kind of where I'm at as well. <laughs> you know, the the whole thing is the articles are nice. Yeah, the press conferences are nice. You know, after practice, but at the end of the day, being excited for tomorrow with the spring game, some football being played, and then fast forwarding to September first against Akron. It's just there's a time to talk and there's a time just to buckle the chin strap and play ball. And I think, you know, to a man, everyone down in North Stadium, coaches and players, they're ready just to strap it up and play football. The talking to the media is just something that comes along with it. And I just can't wait to put it out there on the field. And I'll say this, and I never thought I'd say this as a Husker fan, but last season when, I mean, I basically threw in the towel during the Purdue game, even though we won that game, because it was just such a epic clusterfuck of massive proportions. But uh, late in the year, you know, like that USF game that UCF played on Black Friday as we were playing against Iowa, and then the next week against Memphis, and then their game against Auburn, that was the most fun in 2017 that I had watching college football, watching those UCF teams, mm. especially that Memphis game in the AAC championship. That was the most fun that I had all year. I mean, it, we were so, hell, we were so bad last year that it felt like a chore to watch Nebraska football sometimes. It was like, ah, do I really want to, do I really want to do this? And every time the answer is yes, because I love Husker football, but it was never, you know, it was never especially enjoyable, especially down the stretch. So that, what they showed in the games that, you know, watched the tail end of the year, and then I've gone back and watched games from earlier in the year, and then in Frost's first year in 2016, I just can't wait to see that be put on the field in Lincoln. Just the up-tempo attack, being able to account for what the defense is doing, constantly trying to stay a step ahead of the defense. Uh, I love what they do in terms of having a new wrinkle offensively for every game throwing out something that the defense hadn't seen hasn't seen before hadn't seen on film and just really you know every everyone's rowing in the same direction it's a it's and it's a comprehensive effort it's not the there's no infighting in the administration or there's no infighting 
amongst the staff or the players or the fan base. It's just everyone's rowing in the same direction. And, you know, again, when you lose games, that's going to be challenged a little bit. People are going to have differing opinions. But for now, that optimism that exists, it's like, okay, you know, this is where you can get. It's like when a president takes office, he gets most of his stuff done within the first 100 days. When a new coach comes in, they build up their goodwill. Yeah. In the, in the first year, and they, you know, they, you got to get something put on the field that's going to sustain that goodwill. And that was probably Riley's biggest problem. If we beat BYU in the first game of the 2015 season, maybe things shake out a little differently. But you lose the game on a hail mary, and then it snowballs from there. You have the loss against Miami. You have the loss to Illinois, Wisconsin. Northwestern, Purdue, Iowa, the, and just in excruciating fashion. And it, it becomes kind of a karmic baggage at that point that just doesn't doesn't let up. It's always in the back of your mind as a coach, player, or fan. And yeah, you got to capital, you got to strike when the iron's hot is what I'm saying. No doubt about it. You know, the Huskers hit a home run with, with Coach Frost uh looking forward to i mean th- this is going to be one of the bigger crowds i mean pr- probably going to be the biggest crowd ever uh for a spring game um in at in nebraska and and should eclipse and and even you know be exponentially larger than than some quote unquote more successful in recent memory football programs like i don't know how many fans were in tuscaloosa you know, for or when when their you know spring game is, but nobody's going to draw seventy thousand for a, a scrimmage. It, it's just insane. Um, again, the, it's an eleven o'clock kickoff, which is why we're dropping this a little early, uh, so that you hopefully have time to listen to it, maybe on your way uh, to Memorial Stadium. Um, have a nice cup of coffee, listen to it. If you're at home, pour yourself a nice glass of Coors Banquet and orange juice. I mean, I know what what vodka and orange juice is a screwdriver, but Coors Banquet and OJ, that's just, that that sounds horrible. Why would you do that to people? It's the drink of kings. Are you you pulling my leg? Is that actually something you've done is combine the two? Oh, yeah, 11 a.m. kicks. I'll wake up. I'll start drinking coffee. I'll have breakfast as it gets to be about... 10 o'clock or so, I'll pull out a beer glass, pour pour it halfway with Coors Banquet, quarter of the way with OJ, another quarter of Coors Banquet in there, and I'll drink those till about halftime. And, oh, man, seriously, like a Coors Banquet and OJ and orange beer, oh, it's the way to go. Is that what it's called? Is an or- my friend, I've heard of my a friends beer. who I watch games with are repulsed by it. It doesn't sound good. Like, I've, I've had red beer before. I understand the concept of red beer. Um but orange beer is that is, is that his name? I feel like it needs a something driver uh, name. Yeah. Um, the beer. the what? The beer truck. The beer truck driver. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you can't have too many of them because a lot of times for eleven a.m. kickoffs, I'll have like breakfast burritos mm-hmm. during the game. And you eat enough of those, and you drink enough Coors and OJ, you'll have some 
well, some heartburn. So, yeah, yeah usually about half the time of those 11 a.m. games, I'm like, well, I'm going to start drinking water or, or I'm just going to drink regular beer, not orange beer. I imagine that heartburn be the least of my worries uh, with orange beers and breakfast burritos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, those would be uh, – God dang, I can't – that sounds. I'm sorry, buddy. I I can go with you on quite a few things. I might even uh, attempt a course banquet in your presence sometime. But uh, you keep beer out of the the goodness that is OJ. All right, uh, just just try it sometime. Pick your favorite beer. Not a real heavy beer, obviously, but you know, pick your favorite domestic. Mix it with some OJ. Roberts is really nice. Maybe some Sunny D, even if you just Sunny can't stand Sunny D is not even OJ. Get out of here with this, man. <laughs> hey, it's, or- it's orange juice. It's We're getting the semantics here. But, uh, oh, man, it'll change your life. And I discovered it by accident. Actually. I bet you did. I don't think anybody discovers that one on purpose. Oh, one time, I think it was that BYU. No, that BYU game was a 230K. No, no, it was that BYU game. So I was so excited for opening day that about 11 a.m. that morning I was like I'm gonna start drinking and I was just like oh I got some orange juice I got some beer well people drink screwdrivers why not uh, you know I don't drink vodka why don't I try with Coors Banquet you know so I tried it and I fell in love with it honestly I'm not driving to Lincoln tomorrow my one of my friends is so I will probably be having a uh, Coors and OJ I just want to say not in the car that the BYU game was September or late August or whatever of 2015. So that was mm-hmm. three years ago. And you were 24-ish yep. at the time, whatever. Um, far too old to be trying to hide your beer in OJ, man. Um, just no, it was just – it sounded good for <laughs> – it was breakfast time. Breakfast is All my right. favorite meal. So uh, I was like, hey, why not combine the two? I love beer. I love orange juice. Let's see where this goes. So, folks, after you have, if you've made it this far in the episode, head head to coronation.com. Head to this link in particular. You don't have to worry about listening to it again. But underneath uh, the embedded, you know, links for the audio, I'm going to put a poll up there, and the poll is going to be something about. Does beer and orange juice at all sound appealing to you? The options will be, I might throw a yes in there, but the options are probably going to be like no and hell no. Um, but for whatever reason, Haas seems to think that beer or that Coors Banquet specifically uh, and some type of orange drink uh, go together. And I'm just sitting here rubbing my temples, getting a headache at the notion of beer and OJ. Um, so we'll say it makes for a long day if you start drinking those for an 11 a.m. kickoff. I bet it does. It is an 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, it'll be live on BTN, which is good. It's the first time, I think, in a couple of years that it's been carried live on uh, the network. Kevin Kugler, uh, Husker legend Amir Abdullah, and and older Husker uh, legend Damon Benning will be on uh, BTN. And then, of course, on the Huskers radio network, Greg Sharp. And I thought it was odd. I guess Matt Davison doesn't necessarily have to uh, give up his role in the broadcast booth. I mean, I guess if he's the... What's that? I I thought that he... I thought that... Yeah. I thought that I had heard that he did have to give up his role. Uh, Unless he's just doing it for the... uh, 
uh, spring game, at least according to coordination.com, it says the crew will be Greg Sharp, Matt Davidson, and Brennan Stye. So unless he's just doing it this one time, I, which I guess is possible, um, I do know that the Husker Sports Radio Network has not called me uh, asking if well, I wanted man. to join them. I would happily do so. Reach out. Hey, you know, I said in the Slack chat room earlier this week, you know, if there was an opening, they'd bring you in on board to replace Greg Sharp and okay. I'll be your color commentator and there'll have to be a thirty second delay, you know, if we're in a big game and we're getting gashed because I'll just be dropping I'll I'll be saying enough words to make a sailor blush. Uh and what would happen if it was an eleven o'clock game, Hoss? Well, I would have probably three cups in front of me <laughs> as we're calling that game, a cup of coffee. Coors Banquet and OJ, and then a cup to spit uh, uh-huh. some chewing tobacco. <laughs> I knew that third cup was going to come in handy. Um, yeah. I, I, it's odd. I did receive a, a phone call earlier this week about a job, uh, although I currently have a job, and I did not apply for a job, but uh, it, it was a job back selling cars. And it's just not – I just don't – not only that, but selling Fords. Um, it's, it's just not something I could – see myself doing and i looked on their website and the hours just don't agree with me when they want me you know potentially would want me working eight to five on saturdays and oh, hell no. i don't think they realize how how much i enjoy my saturdays off so um i'll have to call i'll, I'll call them on monday get some more information um you know but it's got I, it's car sales and that's commission based and i've done that and it sucks uh it's why i got out of car sales um, so I, you know, it'd be like, if you work these hours, if you can get, I'll work a five day work week. I just won't have that fifth day be on Saturday. Um, and if you can guarantee me some money, then maybe we'll talk, but otherwise I'm going to keep driving the truck. Um, here's a fun little note for you. I'm not going to be watching the spring game live Hoss. Wait, What? I will not be watching the spring game live, Hoss. I think I need to find a new skipper. I I I did shield I, I shielded myself from from the uh, the yeah uh, about eleven o'clock tomorrow. I hope to be uh, standing and meeting uh, the Incredible Hulk, Lou Ferrigno. So oh okay okay uh, well you're, you're excused okay. I'm getting a DVR and watch it on Sunday once or twice. Does that count? It, it does count. I'm, I'll probably be watching it about the same amount of times on Sunday as well. Uh, maybe we can. I might even mix in a Saturday night viewing. Ooh. Uh, Saturday night, I'll be watching some. Uh, ah, Saturday night, here you go. Another wrestling name for you. I'll be watching Tommy Dreamer. Oh. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. Uh, anyway, fill the folks in uh, because they don't care. Uh, Cape Comic Con in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. It's their thirteenth or fourteenth annual. Uh, I've been going down there since about 2013, 2014. So anyway, this will be my fifth year going down there, uh, and they've also incorporated a wrestling show into the Saturday night uh, festivities. So. Uh, I'm going to be going down there. I, I got some friends down there from my short radio stint uh, in Cape Girardeau. Going to go visit them. Uh, going to go, like I said, meet Lou Ferrigno, bum around the Comic-Con, uh, and watch some wrestling. And then maybe what we can do on Sunday, buddy, is is we can get together in, in, in the Slack uh, conversation of ours, and we can, we can rewatch the spring game together. 
Hey, we can come to some uh, conclusions what to talk about in the post-game oh. uh, episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Yeah, and, and uh, all of our coordination uh, familia uh, were who got together in Lincoln tonight. Uh, thanks for having that recording device handy. I really wanted uh, you all to get John Johnston yelling at young people and uh, shouting at the sky, but no, nobody, nobody would want to get old man John on a recording device, so appreciate that. You jerk. Peek behind the curtain for everyone who are loyal coordination fans. John Johnston talks a lot like Joseph Stalin. <laughs> talks or looks? A little bit of both. Very. Uh, <laughs> there's no telling what what John Johnston, our our supreme leader of coordination, can do. They, let, let's just say there's a reason his favorite color is red. <laughs> yep. He, <laughs> there, you know he might he may have been a Russian spy at one point. That's assuming that uh, he has been, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, debriefed. Uh, he, he's been taken out of commission. He might still be. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I want to make those accusations in this tense political climate. Um, yeah, I mean, you never know what could happen. John Johnson could, uh, he could get mad. Our listeners could get mad. We could be faced with a lawsuit. We'll have to sit next to each other at the defendant's table. In court, you know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Will there be three cups in front of you? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, I could just, I could just see a judge being like, "What are you doing?" No, you know, I had to get my fix. And uh, we can say this: uh, as, as as pure and as wonderful as as John is, uh, and, and a heart of gold, uh, he does have a rotten son who did choose Minnesota over Nebraska. Just keep that in mind. He likes to row the boat. <laughs> he likes to row the boat. Um, by the way, got to say this. Uh, I was uh, recently a, a guest, and I think, it, it, in fact, the podcast is going to be released uh, later today, uh, Saturday, the day of the spring game. was recently a guest on a podcast called uh, The Deuce Podcast. It, they talk all about uh, like the sequel, the number two movie in a series of movies. Um, you know, They've done like uh, Back to the Future 2. I think they've done Back to the Future 2 and Short Circuit 2, you know, some of those great 80s and 90s sequels. And I made the the mistake of suggesting a sequel to them, and in doing so, they invited me on to talk about it. So I had to watch uh, Son of the Mask, uh, which came out in 2004, which is a horrible movie. Um, but we talked about it. and But they're, anyway, they're from Omaha. And so I asked them, uh, you know, if they, they're, they're not native Omahaans, so um, they they didn't care as much about Husker football, uh, but we ah. we talked a little bit about Husker volleyball. Uh, so well, they're Husker volleyball fans. Yeah, so I mean, you know, huh. but it was a good time, good time, good show. Um, you can probably find that link if you follow me on social media. So, and I know you do, but I was, that's more for the general listeners. Okay, uh, let's get the hell out of here, Hoss. We've talked a lot, and uh, people are probably ready to walk in they might be they might be listening to us on their mobile device in memorial stadium right now i would be honored if they were doing that. it might be the first and last time my voice is ever heard in memorial stadium <laughs> well we'll get you there for a game eventually and uh, your voice will be heard oh I, I, a couple couple of those uh uh orange ruskies in me and uh and it won't not be heard, let me tell you. 
Okay, that is it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, go big. Wait, hold on. Let me try this again. Uh, I'm going to fix this in post now. No, I'm not. Um, it's going to be a fun spring game. Looking forward to seeing all of your post game thoughts. We'll have a, a little post game uh, chat up probably Sunday after I've had an opportunity to watch the spring game. We'll get your thoughts. We'll read them next week on the air. Uh, but that is it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. I'm Greg Mahochko. He's Haas Reuter, and we remind you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Win the damn game. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.